actors. I love them. Oh, they are so... I don't know what it is about British actors, but they're a different type. They're aliens. Well, because I'll tell you what it is. is. They do not approach the theater as an ego, uh, like a way to feed their ego. They approach the theater as an art form. Where here in America, people want to be famous. And so they turn to the theater as a form to reach that fame, right? You, you know, I never noticed that, but there was always something about British actors. They're so good. And I always wondered why, yeah. you know, uh, and you know, British actors are good when you have Samuel Jackson shook, mm-hmm. you know, like he went on a whole rant on, oh, why do American directors get British actors? We don't need them. You know, it's hard enough for regular actors. He, uh, went in on the guy from um, Get Out. I can't remember his name. Yeah, but yeah, he went in on him and I was like, this guy has really got Sam Jackson scared. But it is. They're they're humble. You know, when you are in London and you're you're studying theater, um, it doesn't matter really what school you go to. It really doesn't. The the first thing is they're 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 humble. They're humble people. Yes, okay, ego exists everywhere. I'm not gonna dis- discount that. But I feel like in the in the British school of thought of theater, you are always a part of an ensemble. It is never about the individual. It is never about you. You might be Hamlet one day, and the next day you might be beggar number three. Like it's always about the ensemble first here in the states you have a number one on the call sheet you have a number two on the call sheet you have your stars they have their big trailers you know what i mean like there's definitely um like the titanic there's definitely a first class a second class and then everybody else but Mm -hmm. i feel like in the british school of thought that's a little it's a little more about the troop about the team about the than it is about the individual. Yeah. All right. Well, give me three British three, actors. My, my, my faves, my OGs. Um, I love Maggie. Um, Maggie Smith. I love her mm-hmm. in her old age. She's just wonderful and delightful, and I love her to pieces. Um, yeah. I will watch anything that um. Catriona Balfe and Hugh Jackman, uh, not Hugh Jackman, Sam Hewen are doing. They're the, the cast of Outlander. Um, mm-hmm. They're phenomenal and just beautiful. I will watch anything that, um, uh, God, what is her name? Um, see, again, this is the part where I forget a name and I love them. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, I'm brain farting. What does she star in? She was in uh, Downton Abbey. She was in a, a TV show called Good Behavior, where she plays a southern trash girl. <laughs> what, what, was she in uh, Harry Potter? No, no, she was not. Okay, so it's not her. No, she was not in in Harry Potter. You know, the thing about this actress that always gets me—if I can remember her name—it'll come to me eventually. While she was filming Downton Abbey, she's a younger gal. She's like Mary in Downton Abbey. Her husband died of cancer, like died in the middle of production. And she finished the season. She finished the series, went quietly about her business. Um, But her work after that, the depth, the depth 
of emotion after that just was stunning to watch because she was using it. Is it is it Michelle Dockery? Yes, Michelle Dockery. Yeah. Are you googling this right now? Yeah. Are you just putting me to shame? No, no, I have to fact check. Oh, okay. I, fact check. I was like, are you sitting here googling yeah. this right now? Because you're putting me to shame coming up with all these names. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got the Google engine right. Yeah. I got it right. Michelle Dockery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Top three movies of all time. Oh. This should be easier. No, it's not though. Uh <laughs> it's not. It's so not. Um, top three movies because of all time, of all time. That's such a hard one. Um, mine are probably gonna be a bit closer to uh this generation, but um I'm gonna say Titanic. it's it's timeless it's beautifully done it you know it's three hours long but it makes you feel like it's just a breath you know um Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say my top three movies of all time what if i really really loved lately where i'm like it just blew me away oh god I hate these questions on the spot. I'm like panicking over here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer. Um, I love, um, you know what? I love Nightmare Before Christmas. I love Nightmare mm. Before Christmas. I am such a dark person, a dark soul, and it just, that movie just, it brings me so much joy and I love the music. It's haunting. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, and then I like a good rom-com, you know, I like a good, like something that makes, doesn't make me need to think about anything. You know, I can just watch it and just totally blank out, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have homework for you. Will Ferrell has a movie called Eurovision. Oh, yeah. It's uh, on my list. It's on Amazon. The story, you, it's on Netflix too. You have to see it. Yes. It's like, I have never, I'm not a, I don't even like Anchorman, but, but my favorite Will Ferrell movie was Step Brothers until I saw this. This is his best work he's ever done. I respect Rachel McAdams so much for taking that role because you know how actresses are. They're like, oh, I'm a real actor. I don't do comedy. Yeah. I'm not going to work with Will. But, you know, she was very funny. Uh, down to earth and they let things breathe you know a lot of times with comedians they think everything needs to be a joke you know Um, but you know there was actually some very good moments in there where they just didn't touch they just let breathe out and uh, I know Will Ferrell plays the man the man child character way too much but it was just it, it was a beautiful movie. It feel good. I cried at the oh, end. Like, yeah, like it was a feel good cry though. Like you're happy for the yeah. cry. Like I could not imagine anybody being pissed off seeing this movie and still being pissed yeah. off. So, so I, I after this interview and after your classes, I want you to watch it today. It's on Netflix, and I think you said it's on Amazon, yeah, it's on too. Netflix. No, I think it's on Netflix. You're right. It's on Netflix, but it's on my list. Because yeah. I saw, like, Rachel McAdams is an actor I can always get behind. So I'm like, oh, Rachel McAdams, I gotta oh, watch yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, she was incredible. And it's funny, too. Like, it's legit. You can't take it too seriously, but it's legit 
funny, like laugh out loud funny. Yeah, um, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a writer also. Yeah. What's your, uh, do you write music or do you just stick to uh, show? I've tried. I've tried to write music. Um, I'm terrible at it. Uh, I can write poetry. I can write lyrics. I cannot write. Um, I'm not, I don't want to say I cannot. It takes a lot more effort than I'm willing to give to write, comp- to compose, to write the score. Well, well, actually, I meant songs. I just said music because I'm ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I meant well, songs. Along, so, along uh, the lines of songs, you know, it, it's the, the filling out the, the musical aspect of a song is difficult for me. But yeah. It's, you know, I can hear the lyrics, I can hear the melody, but when it comes to like doing the actual, like bringing up the music production underneath it, that takes so much specificity and detail that I'm just like not into. It's why I can't edit my own projects either, because I'm like, I know what the big picture should be, but like the minutia of it, like I get lost in it and then I get frustrated and then I don't ever want to look at it again. Yeah. So how's your writing process? I know some people like to get into tight spaces. My friend Adelaide, she likes to go to coffee shops. Some people mm-hmm. like to sit in like the bathtub, no water, just sit Ooh, down. I that, but I can see that like horse blinders. I can see that working because there's nothing there. Yeah. yeah some people like to get high or drunk, but what's your, uh, uh um, Approach I'm an writing. old lady writer, you know. I like to find my little nook, my little corner with my coffee, and I just turn my devices on Do Not Disturb. And I just, yeah, I write from home, sometimes on my patio. Sometimes when pre-COVID, I would go to a coffee shop um, and just daydream and just look at people and just daydream, like, oh, what would they say and how would they say this? Uh, my current project is called Diary of a Demon Hunter, and it's a sci-fi. It's basically, um, you know, Kill Bill meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, Mm, yeah because I'm a huge comic book like nerd and I love Joss Whedon and I love Tarantino and like just love so um, those are you know they have they were the the first like representations of like strong action female characters so I I really am drawn to them and anyway so that's my show is kind of like that right now and uh, yeah I I wish I was into sci-fi because there's like like I the only sci-fi I like is Black Mirror, mm-hmm. and, and I was so happy I was able to get into that. But that's like the old it's yeah. I kind of was like raised up in it because my dad is a is a Star Trek guy. He's a Trekkie, a Trekker rather, yeah. and my brother's a comic book guy. So he was always reading and reading up on it. And so I kind of like absorbed it through them. I wouldn't have otherwise on my own. I don't think, and found an appreciation for it. You know, um. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm very simple, but I do like the bathtub idea. I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah, just no water, just with your clothes on, just no, it makes total it. sense. You know, just, it makes total sense to me because it's like you, you draw the yeah. curtain, you know, and if it's a clean tub, you draw the curtain and you just sit in there and there are absolutely no distractions because it's like horse blinders. It's like you you uh can't get distracted by the radio, can't get distracted by the TV, you know. Yeah, do you know uh Alyssa Carr? The name sounds so familiar. So familiar. Uh, she has a song called uh, "Here." Oh, Alicia, Alicia Cara. Yes. yes, 
Yeah, yeah, Alicia Carr. Yeah, that's her method. She likes to go into small spaces or in the bathtub. And Ariana Grande, she sits in the bathtub too. Uh, a lot of artists do the bathtub trick. I've never heard works. that before, but that, I mean, it makes so much. Yeah. When I was a child, I used to go into the bathroom to study. Like I would walk myself mm-hmm. in the bathroom. We had two. <laughs> and I would I yeah. would take up 50% capacity to like take my books with me to study because it was the only place I could find in my house growing up that didn't have a description in yeah. it. So Yeah. Now if uh if you could uh direct any show and I think I know what show. I mean at least I know what show I want you to direct. I I'd have two I would like to work with you on. But if you could direct and cast a lead in any Broadway show, what Ooh, would it be? A Broadway show. Oh. Yeah, like they call you up, they say, hey, Gigi, we need you to direct this show on Broadway. You can pick whatever show you want and tell us who you want to be the lead role and we'll do it for you. What show is that? No. <laughs> I hate these questions because I feel like I have to like, I don't know. Well, while you're thinking, I'll give you mine. I would love to see what you and your vision does with Sweeney Todd. I would love for you to direct that That's show. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would love for okay. you to start it. Right I think off, you would make a great Mrs. But Lover. right off the bat, you know who I would cast as Sweeney? Who? Uh, Leslie Odom. Can you imagine a black yes. Sweeney Todd? Yes, yes, I can. We need it. Speak it. <laughs> right? Can we talk about a black Sweeney Todd and a black... And he would be so yes. good. He would be so and good. Like, Who are you cast as Mrs. Lovett? Oh, Mrs. Lovett. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, Mrs. Lovett. Hmm. Mrs. Lovett. Shit. I gotta, I gotta go through the Rolodex on this one. Okay, I actually want to see this oh, now. Like when you said Leslie Oldham Jr., yes. I'm like, okay, when can we do this? You know? you know what? A really interesting choice for Mrs. Lovett would be um there was a gal who well, she was also in Hamilton. She's gonna be in the next I don't know if she can pull the accent off though, but she's gonna be the next Anita in the the new West Side Story. She was the bullet in Hamilton. Um, she would be interesting. I know who. You're yeah, and about. I'm like that would be interesting to because here's the thing. I like to I like to think of things in like a like a social aspect. I'm like there were black people in the late 1800s in London. They existed. They were free. You know exactly. What would it look like if Sweeney Todd were a black dude? Because then you have the whole social aspect of it. Like, yeah, because he was hit away from a crime for a crime, you know, that he didn't commit. So all of that stuff, all of that stuff, all of it. So it's just kind of like Ariana Du Bois. Ariana Du Bois. Uh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Yes. And and you know, we know she can sing, we know she can dance, we know she can act, but could she pull off Mrs. Lovett? I don't know. But you know I think she could because the girl is like decorated. So I yeah. think she could. Yeah. But it would just be interesting to be like, okay, what if this what if we like we express classism through the musical and like the lower class cased, for instance, were people of color and then like the mayor, the magistrate, whatever, and the his adopted daughter and all of these what if they were, you know, people of of traditional, let's just call it traditional 
traditional casting. Yeah, you know, and- like like you said, it brings a whole nother aspect to you know why. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so and I'm looking at pictures of Ariana right now, and I can totally see her as Mrs. Lovett. Right? It would be just really you interesting. Know. It would just be yeah, really I- interesting. I like to th- take things like that, and I like to think about okay, how can we keep it semi-traditional? I I like to use the word traditional, like the old school thought, but like, how can we kind of flip it on its head? What characters can we flip on their heads and and change a little bit, just a little bit, just to fuck with the norm a little bit? I love- Yeah, and and, and I love directors like that. Like, I feel like it's boring to just copy somebody else. As a director, you should bring something new to the table. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say new, I'm sure you heard about this. I'm not talking about that all-white hairspray that happened a couple of years ago. That's not what I mean by new. I don't even know how that was possible. But, you know, just, you know, bring your vision to it. Another show I would like to see you take a swig at would be Cabaret. (gasps) Cabaret. Who would be our MC? MC. See, you got me on Leslie Aldum Jr. But, like, anytime... Anybody can do it because he's such a character that you can literally just make your own. Yeah, he's one of the only characters in musical theater history that's not traditional that you can literally do. But he's open. Well, that's what makes it so fun. That's what yeah. makes it so fun because you can like. I mean, what if we made him a woman? What if we made him a trans person? What if we? Know, I'd love to see him because I mean, in the show, he is uh, at least. I mean, I think he's trans in the show, but he's at least gay. Like very gender fluid. Well, because yeah, he's extremely gender fluid for sure, for sure, for sure. But it's yeah, they do hint at that. And when nobody else was talking about it, like it was such a to me, it was like the show that birthed vulgarity. You know, it 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 was his first one of the first show that lets you know, hey, it's okay to be a little. Risque. Well, because you know, the like, whole I, show is about is about the bourgeois in Germany and like like yeah. how to be anti-bourgeois, like the opposite of all of these people that are just trying to destroy culture, you know. And and was it Berlin is where it takes place? Yeah, Anyways, we can get Berlin. super nerded out on musical theater right now, but um, yeah, and and like say for instance, without cabaret, Mimi does not. Uh, um, I mean, uh, Maureen does not moon the audience. Mm-mm. You know, there's probably no red at all without cabaret, right. let's be honest. Actually, well, there's Definitely. no, I'm going to go deeper than that. I'm going to challenge that notion. There is no cabaret without opera. Or, I'm sorry, there's no rent without opera. Because rent oh, yeah. is based on a Puccini opera, uh, which is uh, La Boheme. So there's oh, a- Oh, wow, I did not know that. Yeah, so if you go way back and you and you look up La Boheme, and then you put it next to the libretto for Rent. It's the same show. It's just Jonathan, who's his name? Jonathan Reese Myers? No, Jonathan, Jonathan, John, the guy that wrote Rent, he based yeah. Rent off of La Boheme, and he basically modernized it. And he basically did what we're talking about doing right now. He was playing the what if game. He was like, okay, what if Mimi was a Coke addict? What if Mimi, instead of dying of, um, 
Instead of dying of tuberculosis, she dies of AIDS. Jonathan Larson. Jonathan, Jonathan Larson. Yeah. So he's playing yeah. the what if game. Like, what if Mimi, instead of dying of tuberculosis, dies of AIDS? What if Angel, the character Angel, who in the in Lava M is a different, is a female character? What if Angel's a boy? You know, in 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 a gender fluid boy who presents as a woman. You know, yeah. and like all of this. And, and and by the way, Rent is like my number one. Oh, I love Rent. Like, it's you should have asked one. me to recast Rent, and I would have been all over. I'd be like, oh yes, this is this is who would be Angel. This is who would be Mimi. This is who. Did you know that um, that the original Angelica was Mimi on Broadway? Can you? Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm like, I can see her doing that. I actually saw the uh, production of the one she was in. I saw I saw the year it closed. I saw a production, and I couldn't tell you who was in the cast at the, yeah. right now. You can't remember who was in the cast, but I was yeah. in New York, and I was like, I'm going to see this show before it closes. Yeah, well, who would you cast as uh, in in Rent? I'm interesting because I would obviously I would want. I want Demi Lovato to play Maureen at some point, you know, in her life. I like that. And you know what? Talk about powerful voices. I love her voice. I do think she has a powerful voice and she has a beautiful oh, yeah. voice. Strong too. Strong. Yeah, She's very a strong. Shout out to her. Yeah. But yeah. You cast and Rick. I like her as Maureen. I, I will we'll keep that. We'll keep her as Maureen. Um I think so Mark, let's talk about Mark, the Mark character. Um, yeah. Who's the who's the guy that plays the king in? Because I'm so bad with names, but I know who I'm thinking of. I have a vision, but you can't see that over the radio. Um, who's <laughs> the guy that is the king in Hamilton? He's also in a television show. Um, he's in a television called show called Mine Hunters. Uh, let me see. Uh, but he plays the king in Hamilton. You'll be back. Jonathan Groff. That's Jonathan, I knew his name was Jonathan also. I was like, I'm going to screw this one up. Jonathan Groff is Mark. Okay, who's Roger? Roger. Roger's the rock guy, right? Yeah. Roger. Let's see, rock and roll guy. Roger. <gasps> oh, wouldn't it be interesting to do um, Malik? What's his name? Uh Malik from from Mr. Robot. Um, I don't know if he sings, but the look, oh, the oh, look. Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah, the, 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 that guy, the star. Yes. <laughs> Remy Malik. Remy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But the look, the vibe, that sort of like fuck you vibe, that sort of like cool guy dude thing. I love that he's Egyptian. I love that he's a rock and roller. You know, like the look, everything. But I don't know if you can sing. That's the thing. It's a musical. He's got to sing. So I don't know. Yeah. But like when I think of characters and I think of casting, I think of like like who who's going to bring an essence of themselves to it. Yeah, that's gonna be. I don't want people to show me what they think I want to see, and yeah. that's what we were talking about casting earlier. Most casting directors want you to bring a piece of yourself. Yeah, now, now let me ask you this What are your top three 
dream roles for musical theater. I, I know mine. I would want you to play either. Mm. You know what? I would want you to be Angelica or Eliza in Hamilton. It doesn't matter which one. I agree with both of that, with both of those. Because I thought about it. I was like, I would really love to be Angelica, but I think I would be cast more like an Eliza. Yeah, because um, you have that look, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good look. <laughs> But I think it would be I would love to be Eliza. I would I would love to be um God. I mean, there's so many musicals that I'm like, ah, I wish I could be a part of this. I would love to be Anita in West Side Story. I'm gonna be honest with you. I that was like when I was a child and I would watch West Side Story, Anita was like walking the fine line between good and bad, and I just loved her for it, you know? Um and she's Puerto Rican, and there aren't a lot of stories about straight up Puerto Ricans, you know. So I love that. Anita Elijah. Oh, go ahead, give me one more. And I was gonna say, um, I would love to be in Waitress. I know it's a weird one. It's it's. Ooh, ooh! Please be Don. I would love yeah. you to be Don. Yeah. Yeah, I get the country accent. You know? Yes, yeah, where she's like. A, Yes, I, I I can do a country accent. Listen, I grew up in Central Texas. It's not very hard for me. I can put it on real fast. Yeah. So, so I'm like and listening what, to this show, and I'm like, I can do that. Yeah, and what scares me the most, and it shocked me. I mean, I should have known she was on the way black, but Kamiko, she like, like I haven't seen anybody do a better job than her. Well, yeah, and I love I love that that about actors. I love that you can. Like, I had the same reaction when I realized it was Kimiko that, I, you know, I was watching Orange is the New Black and I'm like, who is this little Asian goddess on this show who's just like so hippy dippy? And then I was listening to the soundtrack of Waitress because I can't afford to go pay to see musicals. They're so expensive. And I have yeah. friends on Broadway, on Broadway right now that would be like, Giovanni, stop. But <laughs> they are so expensive. Um but like when I listen to the music, I'm like, who is this? What is this voice? It sounds so familiar in a weird way. And then I looked up the original libretto and I realized it was her. And I was like, oh, my God, I love that about actors. I love that actors can be like chameleons and just like be anybody, you know? Same mm-hmm. with the, with the, her co-star in that co-star. Um, the, the gal from This Is Me, the Hawaiian lady. Is she Hawaiian? Polynesian. Yeah, she's Polynesian, I think. Uh, I love, love listening to her do I Didn't Plan It. I didn't plan it. I swore it was a black woman. I swore. And then <laughs> I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. No, I love it. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Um, give me your top three musicals of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Um, I love Rent for what it did for the gay community and Ooh, what it yeah. did for people of, of undesirable backgrounds. I love Rent. I love the story of Rent. I love how it was created. I love, you know, what happened after the creator died and like just how it took on a life of its own and it became a thing. I love Rent. It's, it's one of, it's definitely top three. Of course, yeah. talking about Lin-Manuel, super huge respect for Lin-Manuel and everything that he's done. And the mm-hmm. show, I just think that the show was timely, and I think it was brilliant. And I think there's like, there's actually a conspiracy me and my friend made Jonathan Larson and Lynn Will Miranda 
because uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was inspired by Rent. And if you think about it, the writing style is kind of similar. Every song Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote could go in Rent and vice versa to Rent. <laughs> like the Rent soundtrack could fit anywhere in the Hamilton and uh, in the Heights uh, plays and it mm-hmm. wouldn't feel odd. Like we just have a conspiracy about that. Hmm. Well, I think modern musicals are definitely to me what speak to me and what speak to our generation more than like, say, uh, you know, the Tin Man or like Oklahoma or, you know what I mean? Like any of the Rodgers and the Hammerstein or any of the, uh, the one exclusion being Porgy and Bess, I think Porgy and Bess is probably something that could speak to our generation. But like the thing about old musicals, again, you have to think about who wrote them at the time. And I'm just like, I can't connect with those people. They don't speak to me. Exactly. Give me one more, though. Um, One more. One more musical that I absolutely love. Um, I had an experience. I had a real guttural experience the first and last times I ever saw Aida. Mm. Um, and I just think the music that Elton John and um, uh, Tim blah 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 that guy Tim Rice I, Tim Rice, I just think I the didn't music have to Google people, that when I'm an Elton yeah, John fan so. I just think the music that they wrote together is beautiful again the story is based on an opera which I appreciate and they just modernized it um, but those songs sing themselves. Those songs are so gorgeous and so beautifully written. They really do sing themselves. And I've seen a bad production of it and loved it. And I've seen a Broadway production of it and loved it. And that's what I'm saying. Every time I see it, it moves me. Because let me tell you, even a bad production. (laughs) I mean, it was bad. But it still moves me, you know, because the music is so honest. And so beautiful. Yes. And Elton John is like a very good songwriter. So he really good. is. So good. And he can, he just, again, the when people bring themselves to a project and they bring their depth, their personal experiences and their personal pain, and then you use it, that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. He does that. Now, now what's your ethnicity? I'm Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican, like straight up Puerto Rican. Like straight up, straight up mutt from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Because all Puerto Ricans. Oh, are that's so cool. Well, mm-hmm. you can definitely be in Hamilton then. Yeah. <laughs> I might be, I, I call myself a lightly melanated Afro Latina because we are, most of us from Puerto Rico, we are descendants of Af- enslaved Africans. But mm-hmm. I came out the palest of the palest of the palest in my family. Like I joke that I'm the brightest child of the brightest child because yeah. I have no color. I got the hair, I got the physique, I got no color at all. Yeah. So I'm like the most like least melanated black girl you will ever meet. Yeah, and thanks for admit admitting that because I know a lot of people don't like to admit that. But you know, yeah. like I I've been to when I was in New York, you know, I have a friend. And he doesn't want to admit he's black and he's just as dark as me. 
if not darker. And I'm like, I'm telling you, your origin, your, your uh, origin, origin is in Africa. And he's like, oh no, 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 I'm I'm Dominican. I'm Dominican. Well, Dominican, <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but Dominicans are black. <laughs> Dominicans Definitely. are blackity black, black, black. The problem is. There is color in the, well, this is a whole, we're already an hour and a half in, but this is a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day and we can have it. I'm just going to give you the clip. Colorism <laughs> is extremely pre- prevalent in Latin American cultures. Colorism yeah. is something that exists. We do deny our African ancestry in favor of our European ancestry. Uh, there is a reason why I was my grandmother's favorite grandchild is because I was the brightest child of the brightest child. It had nothing to do with my personality, had nothing to do with who I was as a person, just simply because I was so pale. And I recognize the privilege in that, and I recognize the place in that. And I am here to say that there is no place in the world for colorism, there's no place in the world for racism. Most of the beautiful things that have come into the artistic realm have come from people of color. Yeah. And I've been privileged to be in, you know, dipped in a lot of different cultures. And from what I can see, everybody has to deal with it from the Latin community, yeah. the black community, yeah. it, it, even that, especially the Asian, you know, community, like they literally pay for eye widening surgeries yeah. for their daughters, yeah. you know, so it's they, definitely something. Is a thing, like skin bleaching in Jamaica is a big thing. Skin bleaching skin bleaching in the in in Africa is a thing. Like I don't yeah. you know, colorism is a thing and it's dangerous. Um I'm loving the movement of people exploring their heritage and expressing themselves yeah. as they are, you know. Um I'm loving that people are embracing their blackness now. You know, a lot of people that might have permed their hair a lot of people that might have worn a, a wig to keep their hair straight or clean or whatever are embracing their natural hair I mean I love it and I love it for everybody because I truly believe every if you boil it down most of the the gifts the artistic gifts that we have gotten in the modern world have come from oppressed and underrepresented cultures yeah, and I definitely feel like everybody should learn their culture. You know, go, go to, uh, what's that, Ancestry.com. Look yeah. it up, you know, like yeah. find out where you come from, your original culture, not a culture that's been, oh, this is your culture. No, actually find out, you know, like say, for instance, there's a lot of people um, that believe in African African gods, uh, and they say, you know, African God, Santeria, they say that's their culture, but it's actually not. Nobody has a, uh, a, a religious origin and spiritual origins don't really exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just all as everything. If we can just realize that all, all religion, all race, all culture, it's just constructs. It's, it's because yeah. for people who want to fit in, it is a natural thing. There's nothing wrong with it, but it can be dangerous. And we yeah, I'm, I mean, I feel like, say, for example, uh, saying that uh, Oshan and uh, Django is my original religion is just like saying paganism is white people's original religion. Religion is something that you adapt. There's no, uh, they're trying to say that 
for each race, there's a certain religion, and that's not true. No. I highly encourage everybody. I'm not saying the uh, religion is wrong, because some of the best people I know are some of the most spiritual people, but all I'm saying is look for yourself. Don't you know, build an altar yeah. and start praying to your grandmother just because somebody told you to. I agree. Get the facts before you do that. And a lot of the the a lot of the most um, spiritually advanced, must say spiritually advanced people I know are people who question everything they've been taught and found their own conclusions anyway. And and it might be similar to what they were taught. But exactly. that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother colorism, religion, faith, spirituality, uh, culture, all that. But anyways, to answer the original question, I am Puerto Rican. Yeah. Um, I come from the amalgamation that is the 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 people of Puerto Rico. Um including yeah. the and, and you have the best hair. I have to, I'm jealous, man. I love your hair. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> it's been it's been hard because it's down to my butt right now. I cannot get a haircut. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. Um. So it's it's big. It's curly. It's you know. And my, as my daddy liked to point out, he's like, you know, girl, you might be white, but your hair is black. And I'm like, yes, daddy, thank you. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. you're, you're that comes from my grandmother. That comes from my side. I'm like, okay, daddy, all right. Yeah. So what's um? Let me ask you this. What's your most embarrassing actor moment. Oh God. I have so or artist moment in general. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's a thought that I'm I'm trying to adapt and live by. And it's if your work doesn't sufficiently embarrass you, it is not worthy of note. And that was yeah. by Udhagen, I believe. Um so I have a lot of embarrassing moments, but moments that I can reflect on. Um I did. Uh, I I want the most embarrassing one. The most embarrassing one. Um, I didn't flash any. I've never flashed anybody. I've never had a, a wardrobe snafu. <gasps> I do have an embarrassing, actually, audition story. Uh, okay. I was uh, walking into an audition, and I was supposed to be like some pageant queen, beauty queen, gal. First of all, I am not that person. I am not a pageant girl beauty queen but I tried I was like you know what let me just try let me just see what happens and I did my hair and I did the makeup up and I put on this dress and the dress is too long for me it's too long for me and uh and it's a tube top and maybe you know where this is going stop me if yeah. you've heard before but I'm walking <laughs> into the I'm walking through the uh the audition place to get to my room where they're holding the audition and I'm walking and my heel gets caught on the bottom of my dress and I step forward and I flash the entire room as my top goes down. And luckily there was only one person in the room. It was this older white lady. And she just kind of looked at me and I just pulled, I casually just pulled my top back up, smiled and kept going. The show must go on. The show must go on. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have yeah. time to be rattled right now. I have an audition to do. Yeah, and I love that. And and I love that we bring it into our lives, too. Like, me and my friend were singing uh, Journey's uh, Open Arms, mm -hmm. and I was turning right, and somebody ran a red light 
almost ran into us. I literally had to swerve. And like, she was like, you were still singing. We could have got into a wreck and died. And I was like, it was my turn. You know, yeah. the, you know the, the, that's how you know you're a true musical theater kid. Yeah. When you almost have a wreck. Don't miss a beat. But uh, I have a similar story uh, to that. I was doing um, Sweeney Todd. I was Toby. And um, I had a matinee show and then an evening show, so I didn't want to leave, but I was starving. And Mrs. Lovett, uh, I don't know if you've heard this story before, but uh, Mrs. Lovett made some brownies. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm lactose intolerant, but at this point, I don't even care. So I had like 10 of them. And it, it, it felt like I was impregnated by razor blades the whole show. And when we get to the part where it's like, not while I'm around, I really have to fart. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it out on my high note. You know, at the end where he's like, demons will charm you, you know. And so I let it out. And I was so, such an autopilot person when it came to stage blocking until I let it out and still did my blocking. And I forgot. And I farted right in Mrs. Lovett's face, which oh, had a microphone God. attached to her oh, forehead. So, oh, oh, yeah. I was doing an opera once uh, with a with a guy who uh, was very portly, liked to smoke cigars, drink a lot of beer, and eat a lot of red meat. And he was yeah. my partner. We were doing Romeo and Juliet, but we were doing the opera, uh, the French opera, Romeo et Juliette, and. Um, we had a scene where we're in the chorus together and we have to like, I have to like run up to him and hug him and be like, it's so dramatic. Ugh. Cause opera does everything OP. Right. Cause they don't know how to. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So this particular night, it was opening night. And I run up to him and I hug him and we're singing this great big number. And I get this taste in my mouth. Like I'm getting a taste in my mouth. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my. What is that? What had happened was my scene partner belched, belched in the middle wow. of the song. And he he's one of those guys that when he burps, you can taste it. Everybody can taste it. And I'm, wow. in, and I'm taking these big gas because I'm like, oh, you know, singing opera or whatever. And I just I tasted his beer and his red meat and his cigar. And I as soon as we got off stage, I ran it on him. Oh, that was disrespectful and disgusting. And I never want to get it. Like I ran it. I was so mad at him. It was so <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to have to taste your dinner. Like that is gross. I didn't even kiss you. We're not yeah. even like, I'm just like next to you like that. You need to get your stomach checked, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I always, whenever I'm doing a, a kissing scene or a scene like that, I always, make sure to check my hygiene at the door. You know what I, I mean? I always like, appreciate actors yeah. who brush their teeth after lunch. Yeah. And I, I, but always I mean, appreciate like, that. But I mean, like, that was really... And you know how Songheim shows are. There's a 100-person cast, only two main leads. Yeah. And everybody in the back heard me, and I was hoping nobody in the audience heard me. But when we lined up, People were literally walking over past Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney to just tell me, oh, it's okay. It's natural. We heard it. Wow. You know? How old were you? I, 
I was at least 16. I could have oh, it. Okay. <laughs> you were a child. That's okay. You were a kid. We were a kid. <laughs> still, still. It is embarrassing, but you were, we forgive it. Anything before 18, it's like, it's like a legal record. Like it gets expunged. Yeah. So what's your greatest theater moment you've ever had? Um, I'm going to pivot that. I'm going to say film moment. I had a lot of theater moments, but I've been focusing really more on film and television the last decade. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since I've been in a theater. Um, it's I did a show last year because I wanted to get back into it. But before that, it had been like eight years. I took like an eight-year hiatus from theater. Um, but film and television, I've been really pushing hard in. And um, my favorite TV moment or film moment was um, get, being hung from a tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Like doing stunts this is technically considered a stunt for camera um i like i think that's why we get into acting is because we like sort of being put in these situations we would never otherwise be put in yeah and playing pretend and um this that was for the show and they were like hey you know this character gets hung at the end and i'm like hung like from a rope and they were like yep from a tree and i'm like like so i'm getting lynched and they're like, yes, yes, you get lynched. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, in real life, that's terrifying. But in the film world, I'm like, how? I'm like so intrigued. How does that work? How are we going to do that? How do you, how do you do that up? How do you line that up? And that stuff I nerd out on because it's the director brain that starts to go off. And so moments like that are my favorite moments where I'm like, oh, this is the movie magic. This is how we make it work. This is how they do that, you know. And so that that one was probably being lynched on camera. It was probably one of my favorite on-camera moments. Um, there's another movie that I'm doing that I don't know if they're mm -hmm. going to choose the scene, but it was really cool. They have me riding in on like a Valkyrie, like a tank, like a military tank. And I'm like on the back of it with a rope holding onto it and riding on it like a Valkyrie. <laughs> Um, and that's fun. Just things like that where you get to do ridiculous things on camera for no reason, you know? Those are my I love it. I love it. I am, yeah. Are you still there? Okay, all right. <laughs> you kind of cut out there. Um, last thing, if you could give any advice to somebody that's do whatever you do uh you, you're very lucky because you have a very uh i want to i'm gonna use the wrong word but you have a very multicultural face you know you can literally be puerto rican black white you can literally be anybody and i think that's something that you use to your advantage but uh what advice would you give to a little girl or to a little boy even trying to do what you do well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, you know, in our world, it is important to be a community. Anyways, like, huh? So you were saying, what advice would I, what advice would I give to uh, a child out there, basically? Like, what yeah. would I say to them? And I wanted to thank you for bringing up um, my ethnic ambiguity and, and my chameleon-like status as, a, as an actor, how I can 
blend in things. And, and I want to thank you for bringing that up because that's an important um, topic that I just want to touch on really quickly. When, when we were kids, when, when I was a kid, I don't know how old you are if you're in my cohort. Um, but when we were kids, there wasn't anybody on television that looked like me, that there still aren't a lot of people on television that look like me. Um, and so it is important for me to represent people on television and film that look like me. Um, and if, if there's a child out there that's thinking there's not anybody on TV that looks like me, um, like if you're, if, if there's a child or a kid or a person or anybody that's out there, that's looking at, uh, the world of media right now and going, I don't see representation of myself out there. Um, I want to say to you just because it doesn't, there are people out there that are working that are making that don't look like you doesn't mean that you can't do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my advice to young people is um, if there's not room for you at, at someone else's table, build your own table, do everything that you can learn everything that you can make the relationships that all the relationships that you can uh, genuinely to build a table that is inclusive, that feels inclusive to you and people like you. That is my goal in life is to um, is to build a table for myself and people like me, including people of the Latinx community, people of the black community, people of the mixed ethnicity club and people of the LGBTQ community. I, I want to build a table for all of those people to come sit at so that we can create and make things together for people like us who look like us, who feel like us, who express like us. Um, so my advice for young people is to educate yourself, get in classes, make connections, um, be authentic, be authentically you and unapologetically you, because it may not be your time right now, but in the future it will be, you know, um, all of the art makers were at one point totally and completely outcasted and told that they weren't enough. And they rose above like a phoenix, and they did it anyways. So that's, I think, the most important thing to tell young actors and young people who are creating, who want to create, who want to be in the world that we're in right now. Exactly. That's beautiful. And thanks for uh, coming on the uh, coming on the show. You know, Dallas is such a small acting community to the point where uh, I've seen you around before, but you like, you know how it is when you see people around, but you, you're like, Oh, they're an actor in Dallas, but you never really like reach out to them. And so when Alfred said, Hey, I have an amazing friend. She's incredibly you know, talented. He really spoke highly of you. I was like, Oh, I've seen her around. You know? That's funny. Yeah. Well, and it's like, <clears throat> you know, I, I, like I said, you know, when I'm talking about building a table for people like, me and myself and to so we can create things together so we can work together and a part of that is exploring um exploring what it means to work on as a director as a, a casting director as you know I do everything my my toes are dipped in everything I want to learn everything I'm very curious and so for a while I was a casting associate for a casting director in town for who does commercials and 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 uh, print sort of things and so I was a casting associate. And so for like years, 
um, you know, it would just be these faces that come at me. And sometimes it would be for like a minute. Sometimes it would be for like an hour, depending on how long they had to wait in our waiting room. And, um, and I'm so bad with names. Like it's embarrassing. Like I know faces, but I'm so bad with names that these people would come up to me and be like, Oh, Hey. And I'd be like, Oh, hi. Um, (laughs) you, (laughs) there are a lot of people that are recognized, but I don't know their names. And because I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot their names. I'm so embarrassed. I will just avoid like avoid interacting altogether because I'm embarrassed. Yeah. But yeah, we definitely, because I have that problem too, but we definitely have to get better at names. See, I'm dyslexic. So my my thing is I mispronounce names wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, that's why I stopped doing uh, intros and just put them at the beginning because there's so many, you know, names. I kept getting them wrong. I was like, you know what? I'm just asking them their, how to say their name at the end yeah. and then put it at the beginning yeah. of it. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, my thing with names is, is I can remember details about you, your dog, your cousin, your great auntie May that lives in Colorado. Like I can remember all those details, but names are for some reason, my brain does not hold that detail. So now I never forget a face. Like if it's to the point where if you look familiar to me, I've seen you somewhere, no doubt about it. If you look slightly familiar, I've definitely seen you somewhere or at least passed by you at a Walmart or something. Yeah. But yeah, names are definitely hard. For yeah, me. but you're right. We do need to get better at names and we do need to practice that skill more. Just like we give everything else the attention and time it deserves. We do need to get better at names. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's been a pleasure talking Thank to you. you. We definitely talked longer than we expected, but I love every I loved every Thank bit of it. You. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And it was really nice uh getting to know you and, and getting to know your questions. <laughs> you can tell them yeah, and maybe, by what they ask you. Yeah, I try to get to know the person deeper. Like, yeah, it's cool. Um, you know, asking deep questions or, you know, promoting something. But I like to know what you like, mm-hmm. what's, what what things are you mm-hmm. into, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Well, thank you. Definitely. Okay. No problem. And if Miss Corona decides to leave the group chat finally and you ever want to, like, come on here and promote something, feel free to do so. Well, all right. I mean, I've got some stuff down the pipeline right now and some stuff coming out in 2021. Um I will say the blessing of this time, because you always got to look for the silver lining, is the fact that projects that were derailed because I was constantly working on other people's things are back on right now. And I've been working full steam on those. So that's been really nice. Um, Yeah, it's definitely a blessing and a curse. I just feel like it's a time to sit still and create. I agree. Yeah, I agree. In the bathtub. (laughs) definitely definitely Mm -hmm. all right well have a great rest of your day Mm -hmm. uh be sure to watch eurovision and tell me what you think and i'll talk to you all right thank you sir all right Bye. bye